I didn't think about pure energy signaling at all, really, until sometime after going to Glaxo. Well, about about the time we moved there. The reasoning was was this. I mean, I was fully engaged at the Volum Institute in potassium channels and structure and function. But uh, Supernant, who was working at the Volum at that time, had brought with her from Australia this interest in ATP. She worked with Molly Holman doing her PhD, and Molly Holman was the person that did the recordings with Jeff Bernstock in the 1960s. And then when we moved to Glaxo in 1992 or 1993, the people in Glaxo had been influenced by Pat Humphrey's work. So Pat Humphreys, who also was a Glaxo employee, had then been working on ATP, in actually mostly on P2Y receptors. But uh, when, we, when we arrived at Glaxo, we indicated that the, it would be very important, particularly because of my background in cloning channels, we said it would be very important to clone the receptor through which ATP was acting, which we called the P2X receptor. We took the vasodeferens out of the mice. I remember uh, Amory Superant killed a lot of mice, and I did some mice. We took out the vasodeferens, pulled the tissue, and then Gary Buell uh, made the RNA and made a, made a cDNA library. And then we injected the cDNA library into oocytes. Much of this work was done by Soledad Valera, who was the first author of the 1994 paper. But I think the creativity behind the library, the creation of the library, and the selection of pools of the library was largely Gary Buell's. And then, of course, as soon as a single cDNA was isolated, which conferred sensitivity to ATP, then, we, uh, then it was mostly Supernant and Evans who took this and expressed it in a range of cells and showed that this really corresponded to the P2X receptor. Uh, we didn't know what Breck was up to until a few weeks before the papers appeared. And I can't remember how we got the intelligence, but we exchanged manuscripts after they'd been, or just about as they were in the final review process. So you're never alone in this world. <laughs> That's not the first time that I've opened a copy of Nature to see my paper and seen the one of my competitors alongside it. <laughs> Sometimes you know about it, more often not. It sounds, it, it sounds unlikely that, but you know, there are only a small number of really big questions. So, so it's not surprising that several groups will converge on the big questions. And don't forget also that nature itself uh, is much more likely to accept a paper if it thinks that there are two or three groups working on it because that gives it the, the imprimatur of importance and significance. So if you look back through issues of nature over the years, you'll find a lot of doubles or triples where different groups have uh, submitted their work at about the same time. Fortunately, we finished up with two different P2X receptors. So that was a tremendous advance to the field. We'd not identified the same subunit. Uh, of course, we called ours P2X1, and they called theirs. They agreed afterwards to call theirs P2X2. It doesn't really matter which way around it is. But it was by comparing the sequences of the two receptors that we immediately got a huge uh, increase in our understanding about how these molecules worked.